Before we start with the episode, I'd like to give a short shout out to another podcast. Have you listened to any book podcast? Not really listened to any book podcast, but I've listened to general like recommendation podcasts, okay. which sometimes recommend mm. also books. I've tried a bunch and usually they fall into the category, I think we talked about it, that they just over explain, mm. they interview the authors and it's kind of dry or they just have it no. like a joke show and you don't really learn anything. So finally, I found a good book podcast recently and uh, I wanted to give it a shout out and uh, vice versa. So it's called uh, Book Retorts and uh, Sam and Danielle from the US, they have an idea that one of them picks a book and they explain it to the other person who doesn't know anything about it. All right. And they try to convince each other that uh, it's worth reading or that it's a good piece of media uh, and they take turns. Uh, I have listened to the first episode, which was a book by Isaac Asimov. Uh, the name of the book is The Gods Themselves. And it was really funny because I always thought that Isaac Asimov is like a very hard sci-fi serious writer. But mm -hmm. in this book specifically, a third of the book is like based on three gender alien sex relationships. Which <laughs> <laughs> and one of the genders is called the hard ones. So I was like, what? Hard ones. <laughs> so basically, yeah. uh, Sam tried to convince Danielle that this book isn't complete nonsense. I'm not sure he succeeded, <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. So thank you, <laughs> thank you, Sam, for making this show. You've uh, successfully persuaded me not to read this. And uh... the the title you said is the gods themselves. Yes. Okay. Yes. Interesting. So they started doing books, and then they shifted into movies and like TV shows and other series. They've already up mm. to episode seventy six. It's been going wow. for a while. I really like the podcast, so I wanted to recommend it. So if you're interested, just go to bookretorts.com or search for it on iTunes or uh, Spotify or all the social media. I think they're all over the place. Yeah, that's cool. I'm gonna try. <laughs> okay, so let's get into the episode. This is the second episode of the Mind Like Books podcast, where we collectively mispronounce the word book. Uh, can you say book, please? Book. Which I say book. And <laughs> <laughs> but as you know, if you're British or American, it should be book. Yeah, I guess Not so. book. But uh, because I listened to too many Canadians for reasons, <laughs> I always say book. And Martin on the previous episode and Paolo also say book. Mm. So welcome to a bunch of Europeans discuss books. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I don't know. Maybe because it's one of those basic words that you learn, like in elementary school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you, you never bother to learn it with the right it's pronunciation. It's completely understandable. Yeah. So I sincerely hope that you find our accents charming and not irritating. But thanks for tuning in again. Mm -hmm. On the second episode, we've decided to look at some at uh, some of our favorite short stories. And I also have some feedback after the first episode and some self-reflection. So we'd like to try to improve make this better and learn a little bit with each episode and that's why we want to tackle shorter stories first before we dive into Dune and su such insanities. Which is the real reason why this podcast exists. Yeah. <laughs> to talk about Dune at some point. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
So one of the things we want to improve is that I mumble, I don't open my mouth, I speak too quickly, while Paolo speaks very nicely and in a relaxing way, so thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So I think you're the best uh, co-host for a book podcast. <laughs> I'm not sure about, about that qualification, but um, I'll take it, thank you. Great. And uh, I never say any names in real life nor in fictional life. Yeah. So even though I wrote them down last time, I didn't say... Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, Japanese names are difficult. <laughs> that's all I can say. <laughs> this time there are like, there are fewer names. Yeah, to this time there's going to be three names. So just yeah. uh, if I, I don't say them, I'm going to be really bad at this. Yeah. But... Uh, Other thing I failed at was the summary of the plot in the previous episode. It was overly short and jumbled up, so I'll do my best for those who listen and haven't read it to make it clearer to know what we're talking about. So sorry about that in the previous episode. <laughs> so uh, that's about it for the introduction. How are you feeling today? Uh, I'm good, yeah. Um, I wanted to thank you for suggesting this this short story. Because, oh, really? Yeah, we're, we're starting with the one mm-hmm. you suggested. Yeah, because um, I feel like I would have never mm-hmm. read it otherwise. Yeah. I want to say, like, I'm not a big fan of short stories, to be honest. Okay. Um, like, I find it really hard to read them, usually. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I'm really glad when I find something that I actually enjoy as a short story, so... Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. This short story is definitely, uh, if you ask me my favorite or the best, I don't think it's the best, but it's definitely the one I remember the most mm. and uh, affected me the most when I was younger. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's not a great thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> not sure. for, for people who know about the story... Um, Yeah, I, I don't think that <laughs> it definitely hit home. Like it, it hit hard, and I okay. had many things to relate to very strongly, and I mm. had a lot of things to think about. And it was the first time I ever read something that I really, it really made me like think. All uh, right, that's why I remember this so much. Okay, I guess yeah, that's a, that's a good way to to put it. Like it's definitely the kind of story that um, lends itself to a lot of reflection. Mm-hmm. You know considerations after you finish reading mm-hmm. you, know. you could say it uh, broke my naive uh, teenager's heart <laughs> oh wow <laughs> okay well anyway the story is called the changed man and the king of words hmm. and uh, it's by orson scott card which uh, still is my favorite writer of all time i've read uh, a lot of his things by far not all of his things because he's insane and he keeps writing new things and starting new series Uh, yesterday I checked on his website, uh, hatrackriver.com, which I like. Uh, he also does like reviews and things, so I also uh, like read his blog and stuff. And he already, like since I last checked, he started like four new series of books or something. <laughs> wow. It's like, damn it, just stop writing books and finish the stories you're writing now. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't think he can finish that at all. Like, uh, he was born in... Uh, he was born <laughs> in 1951, so hmm. that's uh, like so he's 70. 70. Yeah. So he looks fine. He's in good health. He's he loves writing and everything. But yeah. so many books. Damn it! Stop writing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let him enjoy his you know yeah. his retirement, even though he's not retired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He lives with stories, and I think uh, this story is also like personally relevant to him mm. because he wrote this as one of the first things that became really successful in uh, 1982 mm. it was before Ender's Game which made him famous 
and won a bunch of awards and started all these like insane series. Like before the Enders game, he didn't really do a lot of uh, long sci-fi series. Mm. But uh, when the Enders game made a lot of money, he made like five books of Enders game and then the same story from a different point of view, the Shadow Saga from like a different character from the same story six more books and then really? and then there is like uh, some sequels prequels <laughs> why short is stories. there like one more book if it's from another character yeah, I don't book. know <laughs> I'm not sure how many more. <laughs> but this then, character speaks more <laughs> so then there is a prequel of the Ender's Game and a prequel prequel of the Ender's Game and he's oh. like co-writing it with somebody and I've read all of it and it's pretty good but it's too much <laughs> yeah I mean it sounds like it yeah So uh, I'm a fanboy, so it's uh, definitely affecting why I chose this story. Yeah, for me personally, like I, um, I had never heard about. Oh, I shouldn't say I've never heard because I feel like you told me about mm. Ender's Game before. Mm-hmm. So I've heard about him before, but like if you had just asked me, like, oh, who's this guy? Yeah. I'd have been like, <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. Someday in the far future we might do like Ender's Game on this podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But uh, I actually prefer to do things that are not so blatantly famous. So mm. I think Ender's Game is one of the most famous things. Yeah, I guess so. Which Dune is also, but nobody reads it, and that's why we should talk about it. <laughs> yeah, Dune, yeah, it's, it's really famous, but... So that's an exception. Yeah, and also, like, Dune, everyone only reads the first book because they're terrible people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, to get back on topic, yes. this uh, story was released first alone, and then released again in a series of short story compilations. The first one was the most successful, and was called Maps in a Mirror. And uh, it was... Uh, Uh, part of a series called Tales of Dread, uh, mm. like horror stories, mm. which is why the ending happened. And, yes. And if you read this, uh, you read the story and don't read the last paragraph, I mm. think it will improve it so much. <laughs> 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 Because I feel like he added the line at the end just to mm. make it a horror. Because mm. it's in a horror collection. If it wasn't there, it wouldn't have to be there. <laughs> like the ending is completely fine without the brutality. <laughs> That's true. That's what I, I was to say. No, I, I, I agree. Um, at the same time, I feel like. If the story didn't have a brutal ending, mm-hmm. well, I guess we're spoiling that the ending. Is well, we're just saying it's a bad ending. It's yeah. A, anyway, uh, if the story had a, like a good ending or like a like pleasant ending, I guess it would be boring. So oh, okay. I, I don't want to say boring, but okay. like oh, I see what you mean. It wouldn't like, have a punch eh, at the end. <laughs> okay, like yeah, I see. All right, I, I'll forget about it like after mm. a week. It feel very real, and then the ending wouldn't feel real at all that's what i mean yeah i feel like the ending like really seals the story okay that, that's a good that's a good point so my speculation was that he didn't want to have that there because mm. he did it only for the horror but that's just speculation okay yeah could be yeah so uh, just a few things to say before we get into spoilers because there's not much uh, that we can really talk about without spoiling this Uh, so one of the things I like about the story is that it uh, merges mysticism and uh, science kind of which is mm. the type of story I enjoy that they don't really say it's magic or something but they hint at it <laughs> and it's not really mm. supernatural but it kind of could be and it feels like it even though it's like justified or explained so that's the right like line in between nonsense magic and like hard sci-fi that I like Yeah, that is true. Um, it is... I don't want to go back to talk about Dune. But, um, 
it does kind of like that same mm, like exactly. mystique. That's why I like it. Which exactly. is grounded in, in like kind of science. Exactly. So that is definitely true. Um, yeah. I didn't think about that, but but it is true. Also, it's very provocative. It's like mm. shoving in your face a bunch of ideas, and you you do something with them. They're just trying to make you think by any means necessary. <laughs> And I think it's very, very easy to read. Like one of the easiest things to read. That's why I liked it when I was a younger, younger child. <laughs> it is definitely easy to read. Like I read it on the train as I was going to work and then coming back home. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's like, super clear. Like yeah, everything was, happens. Yeah. You absolutely know what happened. Why yeah. everything's clear. That's why I like uh, Orson Scott Card because his characters' motivations and thoughts and feelings are so clearly explained. Uh, that's what I like about his works the most. Like uh, again, June, they have paragraphs about the thought process of the characters. So in this short story, it's the same. They have in italics, like after somebody says something, sometimes mm. they say like what he meant, mm. which is like you wouldn't need this because yeah. if you think about it, you know this. But you wouldn't think about it sometimes, and you would miss it. So I appreciate it. Yeah, they tell they tell you what they meant. <laughs> that's that's true. And especially for. Once again, being a teenager, it helped a lot to understand what they wanted to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, anything you want to add before we move to spoilers? Um. Well, I would say like I would recommend most people to read it if you can find it at e version, like mm. an ebook version of the yeah. of the story. I would say to give it a shot. Um. Even like for me, I, I as I said, I personally don't really like short stories, but it's very easy to read. It's very quick. Um. It gives it, it gives a lot of food for thoughts. So, it's yeah, the, it's it, the gateway drug to reading. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's a gateway drug to reading, but it is definitely um easy read. I guess that answers the last question. Uh would you recommend it? So, yeah. Read it. Yeah, I would recommend reading it. <laughs> and don't read the whole uh, collection of stories. They're very hit and miss. So, okay. Uh, there's like seven, maybe even 10. And some of them are just blatant, like exploitation horrors, like disgusting, mm. like gore. Some of them are like kind of thoughtful. Doesn't go well together. I don't. I didn't feel like. So I wouldn't recommend the collection of stories, but I recommend this one. Okay, so uh, let's move on to spoilers, and uh, we have a lot to talk about. You'll see if it's short or long. <laughs> Try to make it concise somehow. So to try and do a better job than in the first episode, let me give you a short summary of what happened. Yes. So this uh, story is about uh, stories and a family of three people, Alvin the father, Connie the mother and Joe the son. And uh, the son is a genius. He's very, really, really clever. He loves to pretend to be characters in stories. Yeah, it is like this small family where all three of the characters are clearly... Um, representing like something. Okay. So the the father is clearly like the hard scientist who only mm-hmm. believes in science, only exactly. cares about science. Mm-hmm. The deterministic mm-hmm. <laughs> reality. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, while the son is the creative genius, mm-hmm. and the mother is the the emotional side yeah, yeah, yeah. of the family, I would say. So mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so he gets into stories, and uh, the whole premise behind this is that people love stories. They like to rationalize their life by putting it into stories, comparing it with stories. People are just obsessed with stories. 
That's why the son Joe is obsessed with stories. And it's just his whole life. He just loves being in stories. And the father is very rational and he hates that. So he tries to get them, get the family away and he bans the son from like playing pretend. So the son does it in secret with his mother. And uh, at the same time they study and the son is really clever. So the father teaches him until one day they find a set of tarot cards in a bookshop and the, the father buys it for the son and the son becomes obsessed with like the stories because the tarot cards can mean anything he wants so he can tell the story or like interpret the story say anything they want about the story and he uh, because he's very clever he wants to make a program like an application that uh, will lay out tarot cards in such a way that they will always tell the truth about people and he becomes obsessed with making this application uh, the parents are worried but he finishes it and it works like too well and people are very worried about it except the father of course doesn't believe any of it and uh, he lays out the tarot cards for his mother and tells her the truth about her life and she's like horrified completely like done yeah <laughs> and uh, some scientists catch wind of that and they test it and mm. they uh, like do some studies and they find not conclusively but like uh, above average positive results that they actually work like the cards actually tell the truth about the subjects mm -hmm. but they need one thing for that to happen they, they need to be honest when mm -hmm. uh, inputting something mm -hmm. they can put input anything they want into the software but they need to be they need to be open yeah. and honest about it which is what the father doesn't do in his yeah, so first the test they tend to trick it yeah but they also need the sun like it doesn't work without the sun yeah so that's where the like the mysticism comes in so it's this is like the hard software but it doesn't do anything unless the son joe interprets the, the cards because he's so upset with stories he's read all of the stories he memorized all the characters that he just wants to like impersonate <laughs> with the cars cards and mm. just explains it so well that it scares people how true it is yes so the, the whole basis of the of the thing is that he's able to read the future using tarots not because like he's just uh like a normal fortune teller hmm. but because he has this sort of like scientific ground to it which is mm -hmm. um, given by the software so the software is laying the foundation for him to do fortune telling mm -hmm. which as you said is kind of like this mix of of mysticism and science hmm. So, of course, the father hates it, <laughs> condemns it, <laughs> forbids it, doesn't take any part of it. And as you'd expect, the whole story culminates with the father finally doing it properly mm -hmm. and losing his shit, basically. So I, I felt like, in a way, it, yeah, he lost his shit. But at the same time, after that, it's more like the son lost his shit. Like, That's the question, yeah. Yeah, like towards the end, it felt like the father was... Yeah, I mean, he wasn't the best person with words, hmm. but at the same time, because you see it, you see the ending from his perspective, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like he was doing anything that bad. Like, he was just... Okay. Yeah. Well, he... Uh, so, that's... So, the name of the story is Changed Man and the King of Words. So, the son was the king of words telling the truth and the father felt like he was a changed man but was he mm. a changed man that's that's, <laughs> that's why i uh, love this story or why i remember it this single point in the story because at the end the father wants to change himself to mm -hmm. do what his what his son tells him and he does it so hard that he does it so much worse than if he didn't do anything 
And, yes. and that's the point uh, that I uh, like. This is why I like the story, because he does everything in his power to stop doing or stop making the mistakes and mm. stop being an idiot and, and realize the truth and just like listen to people and change and do it better. And and the more he does it, mm-hmm. the more he tries to listen and then the more he tries to improve it, the, the worse it gets. <laughs> yes. And it's such a personal, like my personal problem with me mm. and people. No, I, I agree. That That is, personally, it's my favorite theme in stories. The way it's treated in this particular story, I like it, but I also don't so much. Um, I'll talk about that more later, maybe, but um, it is my favorite uh, point in stories. The whole idea that people try to fight back against Mm -hmm. a sort of predetermined destiny. And the more they fight, Mm. the more they get entangled with their own destiny. Um, And... Like I feel like good stories are the ones where they left you thinking whether like in doubt whether you know the the people the character trying to struggle against their destiny is the source of the bad things happening or mm. whether it's just really bad destiny <laughs> if essentially like if bad luck and predetermined destiny exist or if we create our own bad destiny by trying to avoid that's the more my point of view yeah. yeah that is to me like that's the most interesting point in stories overall like my probably my favorite story of all time is about that um but I, I, of course it's a big part of dune <laughs> because, um, <laughs> like every five uh, minutes how can we not dune reference. <laughs> yes make it a drinking game yes uh, <laughs> Making an, a Dune reference. Of course, it is a very, very big part of Dune. Um, I feel like, in a way, it is, it's also a small part of the three-body problem, which is the book I'm reading now. Mm. But yeah, in general, it's, it's an extremely fascinating concept to explore. Yeah, this, yeah. This, like, we, can't just talk, we can talk about this for like the next five hours, so, yeah. so please stop me very soon. <laughs> But uh, I want to say that there are two things that come up with this discussion. One of them is the concept of destiny, like you said, and free will. Yeah. And the other one is uh, the fear of not knowing what you mm. don't know, which is personally my biggest like f- like fear. Right. Like we talked about it in the first episode when we mm-hmm. talked about Shuya in the other story, that he had this like personal demon and he didn't know he had it. He was so much in it that he didn't realize that he doesn't know something or he couldn't even see that there is something missing or something bad. Yeah. Combined with that, the curse of putting all of your effort into making it better and because you don't know how to make it better or mm-hmm. you're making it so much worse. It's like so terrifying. Yeah, it is. It is very... Like, it's easy to like project yourself mm-hmm. into the story and project your life into something like that. Um, to be honest, okay. I, have we finished with the, <laughs> with the, with the summary <laughs> of the story? I guess. Yeah. We, um, okay. So before you, we continue, yes. The ending. Yes. Uh, it's that. So the father uh, hears the tarot card uh, explanation, and mm-hmm. uh, he's like trying to dismiss it, and he's like re- trying to rationalize it, and then there is a point where the son like, completely breaks him, and mm-hmm. the, the father starts apologizing, and and the son explained to him that if he wants the son's life to be full, complete and unaffected, he has to either leave mm. and leave him alone or die, <laughs> which is yes. very morbid. Yeah. And he's, he says 
I understand, and I think he means it, and he believes that he understands, mm -hmm. but he just stays and tries to push him into more stuff. And at the end, yeah. the son just wants him to shut up, and the only thing he wants him to do is to shut up, and he just keeps saying that he will shut up, even though he yeah. doesn't shut up, which escalates in the son uh, to, like, smacking him in the head and accidentally uh, cutting his throat with the vase or something that he smashes on his head. Yeah, yeah, he smashes... Um, something made of glass and as it goes through yeah. like as it breaks on his head the one of the shards like cuts the throat accidentally so he didn't want yeah. to kill him he just yeah. wanted to silence him so there I think it could have ended yeah. but then he puts some shards in his eyes menacingly yes. and <laughs> yeah, because summons the, the demons or something <laughs> <laughs> well because the whole story was like the, the story is full of references to the Oedipus okay. story it's um ancient Greek tragedy where the son of a king is destined to kill his father and take his mm. the father's wife so his mother so the father exiles him and uh, he grows up and uh, not knowing he's a prince and then he grows up and he accidentally kills his own father not knowing that mm. that was his own father and then accidentally marries his own mother yeah again not knowing that that was his own mother and also the son oedipus so he had like, he could see the future he had uh yeah i didn't uh, remember that part okay what was it like what is it called parisians <laughs> yes parisians anyway yeah <laughs> he, he can see the future um so in the end he after finding out that he killed his own father and so essentially that he realized the prophecy he blinds himself And oh, I forgot a, that part. Uh, I didn't it, remember it, that he yeah. blinds himself. Okay, never mind. He blinds himself. And, <laughs> or someone else blinds him. Anyway, he becomes blind. And okay. he becomes a wandering uh, blind uh, fortune teller, essentially. Wait, waiting for the Dune reference. <laughs> <laughs> I will not make it. Uh, <laughs> that could be a very clear Dune reference. But uh, like the ending of this story was clearly... Because throughout the story, they reference different stories which treat the same... Uh, father and son conflict. Mm. So they they talk about King Lear, like the yeah. Shakespeare tragedy, and Oedipus several times. And so the ending is clear reference to. I see. That. So I didn't get that part. Sorry, I'm not very good with classical know, literature. Okay. Which the, this story is full of references of classical literature, yeah. full of it, quotes yes. of it, names. Uh, if you imagine somebody as dumb as me, I have no idea who they are. <laughs> But that's why I like this story because even though I didn't know who they were or what the story actually was, they put it forward in such a way that I got the reference even though I didn't know it which I appreciate yeah. very much yeah, yeah, I don't so that's think very cleverly written yeah. you don't have to know the reference to appreciate the reference which is very nice yeah. I don't think I've ever had that happen in a story yeah I wonder if they can understand our Dune references <laughs> they can't <laughs> without reading Dune <laughs> they that can't be the biggest success of, of my life yeah so that's how the story ends and mm. uh, I'd like to look at some like uh, moments or quotes or like thoughts, but mm -hmm. uh, I'd like Pablo to speak more because he got some notes. Uh, yes. So, as I said before, so I'm not really that big into short stories, um, but I have some experience reading short stories, and in this specific case, the style reminded me a lot, and I think this is not a coincidence of Stephen King's sto short stories. Oh, okay. And what I, mean, what I mean by that is, if you read Stephen King's short stories, it's very easy to understand that essentially he had an idea. Hmm. He thought, oh, this thing is cool, mm -hmm. and I want to make a story about this Oh, yeah, thing. that makes sense. Yeah. And I feel like this 
uh, short story is kind of the same. So the the, the author mm. had an idea, had a concept, and they said, I don't know what story I'll write, but I want to write a story about this. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely how I think about things. That's yeah. probably why I like it. <laughs> so, and uh, in this case, again, I feel like the, the idea was, again, the father-son con- uh, conflict. Hmm. I feel like like his basic idea, the, the one he formed the story around, was using the father and son conflict mm-hmm. as a conflict between, as we said before, more like uh, rationalism and creativity. Mm-hmm. Because it, it reminded me um, about my favorite writer, who's the guy I told about in the, in the first episode. It's called um, Italo Calvino. Mm. One of his books is essentially a book where the story is there is this tavern mm-hmm. and people gather at this tavern and they have um, a deck of tarots okay. and they place the tarots on the on the table and they use the tarots to tell a story. Okay. And then in the end, you know, the stories cross paths and like at the end of the book, you can see the whole picture mm-hmm. and uh, all the stories that have been created using these tarot cards. Which is kind of similar to this idea. And the other thing which reminded me of this is another story by Calvino, which is called, uh, I don't know the English title, but Count Who Was Cut in Half. Okay. So it's intriguing. It's like a fairy tale. Okay. Where this guy like gets cut in half and one half is like um, super good. Okay. The other half is like super evil. Okay. Um, but every character in that story is um, the, a metaphor for something else. Mm-hmm. And two of the characters, they are the representation of science and um, technology. And I feel like this is kind of the same in the sense that the three characters clearly the representation of something. And the father, as I said, is a scientist. And I think, again, on one side, he represents the adult and mm-hmm. adults tend to try to filter reality through realism mm-hmm. uh, and, again, science. And uh, he also tries to commend the way world has to be seen. Again, it's a very deterministic way yeah, to yeah. see the world. In the story, it says that he creates life. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he can, and the son accuses him of, he likes that because he has complete control about yeah, exactly. what the cells do, what yeah. the bacteria do. So it really feels like, again, the way a father and a scientist wants to have like their life to be mm-hmm. which is complete control over everything uh, on the other side the son is kind of like the storyteller so it's like the creative creative side of, of humanity mm-hmm. um, and again which is very common in children and his idea is that human uh, actions and human behavior is not something that can be determined it's not something that can actually be studied which mm-hmm. is I, I felt like that was the point of the tarots where like yeah you, you can use a software but at the end of the day you can just make stories you, exactly. you can't yeah. really understand mm-hmm. how it works he, he exists as a critique to that way of seeing the world and a point of the story which kind of hints at that from the beginning is mm-hmm. uh, we didn't talk about this because I mean it's not that relevant of a detail. When they were about to have the child, oh, yeah. um, the doctor said uh, that the child will probably be a stillbirth. Mm-hmm. So, he, like, he probably would die before uh, being born. Mm-hmm. Or even if he, uh, even if he's born, then it would be really stupid. Yeah. 
And the mother insists, and essentially the mother uh, goes against science, and the son is the victory of... Oh, I see. Kind of like... That makes um, sense. ...feelings and... and uh, irrational behavior over science because not only like he, he lives but mm. he becomes a genius yeah. which again it, it's something that shouldn't have happened yeah, like, I guess even, that's even very intentional to show this yeah. which I completely missed I yeah. have to admit no, no I mean it's okay that's kind of like the the, the way I, I looked at the story oh it's interesting I mean I, I have no idea the, I don't know you're reading <laughs> so much into this story <laughs> it's fun because it's just, it's just 30 pages uh, yeah I mean <laughs> that's probably I'm just making <laughs> that, that's stuff what, up but that's exactly what goes through my mind too that there's okay. so many things you can just start thinking about it's like yeah. a good starting point to consider many things so it's kind of uh, eye opening yeah that's, that's why, why I that's what I really liked about the story was it's only 30 something pages 36 mm-hmm. yeah even in such a short time the author was able to condense all of this like all of these concepts and yeah, all of yeah, these yeah. ideas and all of these possible readings and most so, of the things you said I didn't even think about so that's interesting okay. yeah, one of the things that is uh, like the main premise like we said is the idea that you live with stories and identify with stories which uh, always comes up somehow in my life like hmm. the fact that people always seek meaning and they always want to put themselves in a story and do everything everything you think about you think of it as a story yeah so it's kind of a like limiting concept uh, that makes you have a narrative and search it mm. and that makes you become it and then there is a there is a quote that mm. we were supposed to play at the end but I'll just say <laughs> it now and uh, I'll just paraphrase that's okay uh, and that's that uh they, they like ask a question or they ponder about it that is it that does that we tell true stories or is it that because we tell the stories they are true mm. so, so it's like a point that they stop at and I think this is the perfect like circular logic mm. uh, free will language thinking problem explanation that uh, always comes up mm-hmm. the, and that is that maybe all this discussion about destiny and like meaning and Mm -hmm. free will is a problem of language and like thinking it's not a problem of the universe (laughs) no it is it is narrative yeah yeah um personally i see that all the time in sports because you can clearly see that happening in real life where you could have a very plain way of saying things where Mm -hmm. it's just like oh you know yeah there are two teams one team wins Yeah, yeah because it's stronger and you know they they played better whatever Mm -hmm. on the other hand you know you can create a story and try to understand you know why has everyone reached that point what are all of the backstories Mm -hmm. what are the feelings either real or perceived Mm -hmm. so i think it's uh it's a very interesting real life experiment of that if you will yeah Exactly. It's yeah. it's impossible to find yourself being locked in a pattern that is somehow familiar, experienced or resembling yeah. something, which is so strange to think about if yeah. you consider that everything that you decide, consider, like live, it's always fitting in some kind of a story, yeah. which makes me very scared in connection to this short story. Like sometimes I think about <laughs> it because it's like <laughs> uh, it like gives power to people who lay out tarot cards because they can like force this story onto you which is another uh, quote that I'll read at the end mm-hmm. that the father says blah 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 and the, and the son is like okay just shut up and stop forcing your story on me like yeah 
that's that's like the part that hit me. <laughs> it's like no, I agree, and that that's really interesting. I guess like okay, this would be my main critique to the to the story, because as I said before, I really love that aspect of of stories and books mm-hmm. uh, where they analyze this this. Um, aspect of destiny whether it's real whether characters are bringing things upon themselves Mm -hmm. or it is actually destiny Um, and I feel like in this book the problem is that it's either like too short or too long okay (laughs) in the sense that in a few parts it feels like you're really pushing the reader to see certain things Mm -hmm. on the other hand you're not really going into it. Yeah, you're much. not really going into it. I get the, that. That's, that's the, definitely a problem yeah. with this. He, yeah. I mean, I, I understand, like, if you want to write a short story, like, he, like you're not writing a, a full novel, so mm-hmm. you're not going into the details. And I'm not sure, like, this story would make sense as a full novel. Like, probably it would be just a very boring 200-page novel. Mm. Um, but at the same time, like, sometimes it feels like, you know, you're you're giving me all of these things and you're kind of, like pulling me in this direction to making me reason on these things which is mm. good but at the same time like it's absolutely a yeah. fair critique and that's why I wouldn't call this like one of the best stories I've read mm. I already called it that but I think like the best story ever right. because it's only the idea that he started with and then he mm-hmm. like stapled the story onto it like, so it's yeah. like I said so that is a product of that and doesn't allow you to go into detail and make interesting like world building characters whatever uh, so yeah. so you can't really go into it it's, just, it's done it's just like yeah. okay I wanted to tell you this it's done and there you yeah, have it that, yeah that, that's my biggest biggest um, because uh, that's also why yeah, it's so short because he used only very short description of the characters we don't know what the father's like we don't know what the mother's yeah. like we don't know what the son is like we just know like this is one character trait that we get into yeah. in like a very satisfying detail yeah. but we don't know anything about the people <laughs> which is so strange yeah and also like we we get like an idea of their relationships mm-hmm. but at the same time we don't really get that much i don't want to i don't want to turn this into a big complaint or anything as i said before i think it's um it's a very good read and it's just that it's clearly lacking something oh yes <laughs> um, or or it's giving you too much like again it, it's kind of like stuck in the middle this is why I'm usually left unsatisfied by short stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is why, like, on the other hand, if we want to go back to, to King, <laughs> like, I feel like that's what he does really well because with some stories where he wants to just exploit a, a cool idea he had, mm. like, he usually does it well where, like, the stories are not memorable. Like, so you feel, feel more satisfied with his... Yeah, because, like, they are very entertaining mm-hmm. and they are very limited, but he knows where to stop. Like, he knows where okay. to say, like... I'm not expanding on this too much. I'm just like, oh, this I is see. just a short story. It's just a cool thing I wanted to do. Here, read it. Be entertained for like the two hours it takes you mm-hmm. to, to read it if you're slow like me. That's why it's so adaptable for movies. Yes. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah exactly. Um, on the other hand, if he wants to really explore something, then he writes a thousand page book yes. like it or something. Maybe that's why it's so uh, acclaimed, like respected yeah. writer. This story, perfect critique, I wouldn't have said it better. It's yeah. exactly just one idea and we don't get into anything and it feels like it's too much and not enough at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> One more thing I have written down is mm-hmm. the father's uh, self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. Like, I was trying to find the word and I can't say in English or, or Czech or, or Japanese, I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't find this, this like adjective. 
uh, I want to say I found like smugness or stuffiness or like self-righteousness or like self-empoweredness like what I'm trying to say is mm. the father is so sure of what is good for the son and oh he, okay and he so it's lack of doubt lack of self-doubt yeah but also he he is very rational and logical so he tries to find all the explanations and rationalizations he is genuinely trying to be good mm. and he's genuinely trying to help the son and he's genuinely trying to like like even when they buy the tarot card he's like okay i am sure he wants them and i'm sure yeah, he tries to be a good father and he does what seems to be from the sum of all parts the good decision <laughs> but he doesn't allow any other like input mm. uh, that's what i'm trying to say this characteristic ah uh, right so it's kind of like <laughs> he he thinks that by doing so much research he has yeah. to be right and nobody has knows any better so shut up yeah. and i'm deciding because i know how it's how it's supposed yeah. to be done and i am like self-righteously like justified by doing all this like rationalizing rationalizing so yeah yeah i would say yeah that's true he lacks the ability of seeing himself mm-hmm. from outside Yes, yes, that's exactly. Mm-hmm. Self-reflectiveness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you like I, self-reflectiveness. Yeah, I feel like I understand. I completely understand what you want to say. I can't really think of This is a thing that pisses me the fuck off so hard. Yeah. Like, uh, see this. <laughs> so I want to, like, call this a name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because so many people do this. Like, uh, they mean well and they do well, yeah. but they do it so wrong. And it's yeah. so infuriating. Yeah, because in most cases it's... It comes down to lack of communication. That's also important. Yeah. Yes. Just like lots of time people want to do really want to really mean well, but they can't and, um, and the reason, express yeah. like their intentions or exactly. feelings. Yeah. And the reason I hate it is that's what leads to all the like insanity. Yeah. That's what leads to like you not knowing what you don't know and what you should and shouldn't be doing and doing the like my fear mm. of getting into something to improve it and making it better so much more by not mm. knowing how you improve through it yeah. yeah so that's, that's how it starts i feel so that's, no, why, that's true yeah. like the the whole point is he he never thinks about like his son's true feelings mm-hmm. he never asks okay which i guess like it's a very male problem <laughs> i mean it is true like uh, you know not, not, not talking about feelings and not, uh, not discussing any of that so. mm-hmm. yeah great so to finish uh i'll like to read you some quotes Uh, one of them was uh, like a comment after the father finally decided to come and have his uh, tarot cards laid out and then when they talked about it so the son said Laius died only because he would not let his son pass along the road pass any lo- along any road you please and I am the devil you and mother were in Eden when I came because of me you were cast out and now you're in hell how neatly it all fits For you to achieve your dream, you had to kill me with your story. When I lay there with your blades in my back, only then you could be sure that your sepulcher was safe. When you exiled me in a boat I could not live in, only then you could be safe, you thought. But I am the horned child, and the boat bore me quickly across the sea to my true kingdom. This isn't anything coming from the computer, said Alvin. This is just you being a normal, resentful teenager. Just a phase that everyone goes through. Joe's grip on Alvin's arm only tightened. I didn't die. I didn't wither. I have my power now, and you're not safe. 
Your house is broken and you and mother are being thrown through it to your destruction and you know it. Why did you come to me except that you knew you were being destroyed? Damn, sick burn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was a little bit like on the nose and aggressive, yeah. but at the same time, kind of like fun, I guess, to say it in that way, because he just wanted to really show his father that... Yeah, who's that, boss. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this is the, the point where the father finally stopped like rationalizing and it broke him. Yeah. <laughs> and right after that, they talked about how to fix it. So the quote is, two ways, said Joe. There is one way you can save yourself. Alvin looked at the cards on the screen. Exile. Just leave. Just go away for a while. Let us alone for a while. Let me pass you by. Stop trying to rule. Stop trying to force your story on me. And then, after a while, we can see what's changed. Oh, excellent. A son divorcing his father? Not too likely. Or death. As the deliverer. As the fulfillment of your dream. If you die now, you defeat me as Laos destroyed Oedipus at last. Thank you for reading that in a much better voice. No, no problem. <laughs> Again, I'm not sure. Maybe maybe it's terrible. Please check no, it. No, no, no. It's much better. Much, much better. I, I just uh, mumble too much. So thank you for listening and uh, see you on the next episode yeah, where we tackle you. another short story, this time of Paolo's choosing. Yay! Uh, I wanted to call you the depression specialist, but I think <laughs> the connoisseur of despair sounds better. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. I can put that down as my profile description. (laughs) (laughs) When you Twitter verified, you can just put connoisseur of despair. Yeah. All right. (laughs) I'll probably do that. Thank you for listening to episode two of the Mind Duck Books podcast. On the next episode, we'll delve into H.P. Lovecraft and two short stories, The Nameless City and The Dreams in a Witch House. We're really excited about recording this podcast, so we've already planned many episodes, all the way up to 10. So we'd like to ask you to spread the word, rate us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. If you know somebody who's got an iPhone, beat him, push him, make him hit those stars, because it means a lot in the world of podcasting. Don't subscribe to us on YouTube. Don't follow us on Instagram. Don't go to Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest or any of the other platforms we're on. Nobody cares. Just rate us on Apple Podcasts, please. It would be very much appreciated. Thanks again and see you in the next one.